All right, praise the Lord. Let's get right into our uh, series, Shameless Life, Shameless Life. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and uh, dig into the Word in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll begin with verse 18. Uh, I'm going to read the verse, actually, and then pray. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word, that your word is uh, more special and it is set apart and it is different than the words of any man, unless that man is echoing what you have said. Father, we thank you that the entrance of your words gives light, that we see when your words gain entrance into our hearts, that we see clearly, that we know clearly. Father, we thank you that we are your children like Jesus said, we're your sheep, the sheep of your pasture, and that your sheep know you, and that your sheep know your voice, and that your sheep are acquainted even with your ways. But Father, I thank you that right now, in this place, in this home, and those that are listening, wherever they're at, if their hearts are turned towards you, Father, I thank you that you are in us, that you are with us and that you are among us. And where you show up, your power shows up. And where you show up, your deliverance shows up. And where you show up, your light shows up. That we don't walk in darkness and in the ways of the natural mind and the natural man, but, Father, that by Jesus Christ we've entered into a new life, and by Him we've entered into a new realm, and by Him we've entered into a new place uh, even of existence, that our, our life, our old life is actually hidden away, no longer the thing that is dominating or should dominate, but the old man and the old life has been put to death by the cross and on the cross, and that we died with Him. Oh, in our new life that we rose with Him when He rose, that He took us right along with Him and gave us resurrection life and resurrection power and resurrection freedom. Father, I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus. Oh, that that blood is speaking right now. Better things than the blood of Abel. That that blood is speaking that I'm not guilty that I belong, that I've been cleansed, been forgiven, been set free. Oh, Father, oh, thank you for the power of the blood. And we thank you for the light that only you could give and the freedom in the words Words that come from heaven, I pray today, Father, as we yield in our spirits to you, uh, that you'll do, I know you'll do exactly what you said you'd do, that you'll speak through our lips and, and, and illuminate your word and cause your word to come alive and that we'll see your word in ways that we've never seen. And where there's areas of deliverance that's needed, that deliverance will show up. Where there's areas of healing, if there's uh, sickness, infirmity, any, anything in any body, anybody's body that is, not, uh, that is acting contrary to your word, that it will come in line with your word. I thank you, Father, that you confirm your word with signs and wonders and miracles and deliverances that bodies have to come in line with your word, have to submit the natural and the temporary, has to change to match the supernatural and the eternal. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. 
while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. I gotta apologize. I'm gonna adjust my chair a little bit because I feel like I'm standing while I'm sitting. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen, these are eternal. So we are looking, we're looking into the spiritual world and into the spiritual realm. Uh, second, or excuse me, First Corinthians chapter two says, uh, uh, Paul said, "And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God." So he was declaring the testimony of God, but not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. For he said, "I determined to know nothing." Uh, among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your face should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Glory to God. I, well, I don't really have time to read, read all this. I kind of want to, but um, howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that are come to nothing. So sometimes you see the, the wisdom of the world, you hear it, and maybe you see the people, you're like, wow, they have so much wisdom. No, that wisdom has come to nothing. That is temporal or temporary. Um, and many times, like James said, it is devilish nor the princes of the world come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world for our glory. So in other words, you, get, you tap into the hidden wisdom of God and there's going to be glory all over you. There'll be glory on your finance. There'll be glory on your body. There'll be glory on your spirit. There'll be glory on your mouth. There'll be glory on your relationships. There'll be glory on your church. Uh, you know, we got a friend uh, that started a church and it's called Glory Church and it's up in Philadelphia and the glory of God is, is, is poured out upon them and upon us and we thank God for his glory. Hey, what, a, what a great name for a church, which none of the princes of this world knew for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it's written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. God has prepared things that your eye has not seen, your ear has not heard, um, and have not even entered into your heart. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So if you want to if you want to find out about the deep things of God, and who wouldn't want to find out about the deep things of God? Uh, well, it's going to be by the Spirit. Somebody say you're you're too deep. You know what? The deeper you get into God, the more you have love for the people of the world. And the more you carry the power and the presence of God. Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith, you that hear me, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but it be in the power of God. 
because the power of God is what makes the difference. The anointing uh, removes the burden and destroys the yoke. The anointing of God, uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. For what man, verse 11, knows the things of a man save the spirit of the man which is in him, even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. He's saying if you want to know the deep things of God in such a way that all of a sudden the power of God can show up in your teaching and your preaching, well, you have to know the spirit of God because the spirit of God is the only one that knows the deepest parts of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Here's what I'm trying to get to. Which things we also speak, not in words which man, man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We look not at the seen, but at the not seen. Well, the seen is temporary, the unseen is eternal. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. Have you ever, have you ever had like a, oh, uh, you read the Word or you see a demonstration of the Spirit and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know about that. That's your natural man. In other words, probably what has happened is your mind has not been renewed in that arena, and so your mind is rejecting. Because if your mind has been renewed and your flesh is uncomfortable, you're kind of like, Ooh, I don't know about that. But your mind is renewed, immediately your, your mind goes to, what, what is that? And the Word is there. And when the Word is there, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. You know, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was December 30th, 1997, and uh, December 30th, 1997 was on a, I don't know what day it was. A anyhow, <laughs> uh, if you know Brother Hagin, you know, you know I'm kind of making fun, uh, not making fun, but having fun with. Okay, so uh, he would always know the, the day and everything, but anyhow, December 30th, 1997, and it was like uh, between 11 uh, p.m. and midnight, and uh, uh, a lady, uh, my best friend's um, parents, uh, mother was was praying for those to be filled with the Spirit, my best friend, his wife, and then it came to me. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, oh boy, you know, I'm not sure about this. I had a, I had a hunger in my heart, but I was, I was kind of unsure. And so, but um, what happened is they said, would you like us to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit? And I said, I don't know. I, I just feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. And as soon as those words proceeded forth out of my mouth, I said, I, I, it was like one sentence. As, as I recall it, I said, well, I don't know. I feel like I'm in church. And I need to go to the altar. And I said, oh, okay, yes, I would. Why? Because when I said those words, I recognized that what I sensed or perceived in my spirit was the same leading and witness that I perceived in people coming to Christ or if, I, if the Lord was prompting me, hey, you need to come and talk to me, right? right? You need to come to the altar. Uh, you need to consecrate, you need to dedicate, or you need to like ask forgiveness. There, there's, some, you know, there, there's, there's something you need to do. And so um, I, when I realized that, because I heard those words come out of my mouth, I said, oh, yes. Why? Because I was acquainted with the Spirit of God, because I'm a child of God, and you are the same way. When you're born again, you know God's Spirit. It's not a foreign voice. It's like a familiar voice. 
It is a family voice. It is a fatherly voice. You know the voice of God's Spirit because you are His sheep when you're born again. So don't worry about that. But what happens is many times we pay attention more to the voice of our flesh or the voice of our mind that's not renewed. But really, if you're a child of God, you have been created to hear from God. You have been created to respond to God. And Jesus said in, in, in John that you are his sheep and you know his voice and you know him. And so the real you knows him. You are a spirit made in the likeness and image of God, made a shade lower than God himself. This is what the Bible teaches us and this is the truth and this is the reality. Uh, it's not like you're going to die and become an angel and now you've reached a higher level of spirituality. Actually, that would be you descending in spiritual order. No, you're a, you're, you're a God kind, right? You're a God kind of being. You're a God kind of man or woman. And God has made you as much like himself as it's possible for him to make a being. You can say it. Say how, the short form of hallelujah, which is wow. Wow. So, uh, but the natural mind does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them. The natural man cannot know them. So you're trying to explain some scriptural things uh, uh, to people that are not born again. They can't know them. The only way they know them is to know him. And once you know him, now you have his life, his nature, his revelation, his light. You, it comes into you. And so uh, it's not something, if you're looking for the Lord to direct you from without, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, so Lord, open a door, shut a window, or make a hole I can crawl through, however it is. You know, well, uh, no, he, he leads you from the inside. He, le he leads you from his headquarters, and his headquarters have come to live on the inside of you if you're a believer. So he's in you. So looking out here for direction, uh, who knows what's going to happen? Somebody said, well, maybe the, you know, I pray the Lord will open a door. Well, you know what? If it's the door in this house, somebody, I might just go open that door if I feel hot. You know? So maybe I open the door, and you think it's the Lord because the door opened. No, the Lord leads you on the inside. And in fact, if I open the door, and you're praying, Lord, if I'm supposed to do that, I want that door to open in the next you know, 30 seconds, and then I went over and opened the door, you would have a knowing in your spirit if you're born again. Uh, even if you're like, that was a yes, but the Holy Ghost is saying no, when I open that door, you'd be like, huh, okay, Lord, if, if the door closes in the next 30 seconds, right? Because you actually know, <laughs> and you're actually like, you know that that's not right, but you're like, wait, I said if that's God, so let me see, let me do like uh, another door, or maybe if both doors open at the same time, you're going to make it a little harder, you know, because you're like, well, you know, and so, because why? Your spirit actually is in tune with God. Your spirit knows God. Your spirit is accustomed to his ways and his thoughts and his attitude and his person and his personality. And so um, you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in this body. Your body is not you. Your soul is not you. Your spirit is the real you. That's where you've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. Now, uh, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, verse 2. But uh, therefore, let's start with verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, 
we faint not. Again, like we said before, if you have not received mercy, if you're fainting, in other words, you're like, oh, well, you have not received mercy, so you need to kind of check up on what you're believing, what you're thinking. What that means is you, you won't receive mercy if you don't need it. So you're like, I don't need it. I'm doing just fine. And before you know it, you realize, I need some mercy. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, or the margin of my Bible says shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I'm going to read that in the message translation, verse 2. We refuse to wear masks and to play games. We refuse to wear masks and play games. Maybe that should be our confession, right? <laughs> we refuse to wear masks and play games. Take it to the Supreme Court, brother. It's a separation, not separation church and state. They added that later, and people misinterpret that. It's actually just constitutional. And I was reading about the Constitution. I was reading the Declaration of Independence yesterday. And uh, have you ever read the entire Declaration of Independence? Anyhow, it's real interesting. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we have the freedom to worship God. Amen. Actually, Jehovah God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Yes. And we're not talking about uh, Allah or somebody like that. We're talking about the one true God. Amen. Hallelujah. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Well, you know what? When I read these things, sometimes I say like, well, of course we don't do that, right? But you know why it's written is because a lot of people do it, and a lot of people have a tendency to do it. So the second you think I would never do that, you might check up. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. In other words, we're not some shady people just trying to like, it's not like some secret club or secret thing. Yeah, you can't know these things but by the Spirit of God. But man, the Spirit of God is available and comes to live on the inside of every person who received Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. Now, you can have more of Him or less of Him. Um, there actually is an experience after salvation, and the Bible calls it being baptized in the Spirit, but the Bible also calls, calls it receiving the Holy Spirit. Well, you say, don't I have the Holy Spirit uh, when I'm born again? Well, you're recreated by the Spirit of God, but there is an experience after salvation that the Bible calls receiving the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts, they said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Right? Well, uh, and they knew that they, others had because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And so when you receive the Holy Spirit or you're baptized in the Spirit, Boy, something happens to you. Actually, the Bible says you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses. In other words, you're having trouble being a witness. Boy, you need to just flow in the power of God and all of a sudden your life is a witness, your word is a witness, your vision is a witness. And so we refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't try to twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say in the open, uh, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God, that this is really God. So uh, a lot of times, 
people that deal with shame, and I, and I really should say um, the first step to getting rid of shame is to realizing that you have shame or that you deal with shame or that shame comes your way. Uh, because uh, one, of the, one of the results of a life filled with shame is wearing masks and playing games. In other words, you know what? I, I'm not going to face this. I'm just going to pretend like it doesn't exist. I'm going to pretend like everything's fine. And so the only way I know to do that is, you know, uh, it's like uh, the Wizard of Oz. And, you know, the little man behind the curtain sounds so big and everything. He made himself sound so big because he's like, if people really see me, well, uh, they're not going to respect me. Uh, they're not going to listen to me. I, I lose my control over them. Best thing would happen is you lose your control over people. My, my goodness, who, who are you to think you should control people? That sounds demonic, right? And so Jesus is Lord. But he is Lord of a family of willing participants, right? He's not forcing you to be born again. He doesn't force you to receive his blessing. He doesn't force you to receive healing. He doesn't force you to receive financial prosperity. Some people are like, I don't believe that. There's no way that could be God. Well, you know what? Don't look for it coming your way. In fact, send your excess money to us. If you don't believe in prosperity, you better get rid of it as fast as possible. And if you don't want to send it to us, uh, you know, send it to Kenneth Hagin Ministries. Send it to Andrew Walmack Ministries. Send it to Mark Hankins Ministries. Send it to Joyce Meyer Ministries. Send it to any Bible-believing, power-of-God, Holy Ghost-filled ministry you can come up with uh, and, and just be a blessing and then get rid of it. Get rid of that hindrance. <laughs> Somebody said, I believe the Lord wants to, um, you know, teach you something so he makes you sick and I said well why would you ever take any medicine why would you ever go to the doctor because you're going against the will of God <laughs> Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy he came teaching preaching and healing he came to reveal the will of God and so these things are very clearly not the will of God in fact if you look uh, just look 30,000 foot view of the Bible in the beginning, there was no sickness and no disease. And after the devil's locked up, there's no sickness and no disease. As soon as mankind yielded to the devil, sickness and disease showed up. So where do you think the author or the originator of that, uh, what do you call it, that perversion of the healthy uh, body that God gave us came from? It came from the devil. Actually, um, sin uh, caused sickness to come. And so, uh, but Jesus set us free, and when you live and move and breathe in Him, you're set free from that. So, um, shame comes, and it comes against you. And when shame comes, it tries to reshape you, or it tries to pervert the shape that you actually have. Uh, you can see that uh, in, in many different ways. You see that in personalities. People have God-given personalities, but shame will actually take that beautiful personality that came from the very heart of God, and it will twist that so much so that the person who has it doesn't even recognize themselves. You know, man, you look at your God-given personality, it's like looking at a personality chart on steroids. It doesn't have the negatives. It only has the positives. You're like, this is pretty awesome. You read the negatives and you're like, oh, I should just give up now, right? Because that is, that is the shame-filled man or woman. And that is the person who has not uh, met Jesus at the cross, right? So looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. All right, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, and then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. I don't know if they're able to do the, the things or not, but if they are, I'm giving you a head, 
head knowledge here, foreknowledge. All right, so Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and let's begin reading in verse 1. Wherefore, okay, no, let's just, let's just give a highlight of Hebrews chapter 11. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 is like the great, we call it the great faith. If you had a hall of fame for faith, you could call that Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith, verse 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we're talking about things not seen. Faith is the evidence of the things not seen. It is the substance of things hoped for. So we're talking about, you say like, well, I know, Pastor, you're talking about like, well, we look not at the seen, but at the unseen, but... How do we do that? We do it with the eye that's called faith. And faith gives substance to those supernatural things that you cannot see in the natural. In other words, this is not our faith and our relationship with God is not uh, one sweet day when we get to heaven. Oh, what a glory that will be alone. That is true. But when you're born again, the life and the nature of God comes in you today, right now, in the realm of of the natural or the temporary. Well, I sure want my temporary to be uh, changed, but the only way my temporary will be changed that doesn't bring decay and doesn't bring regret is if it's changed by the unseen or the supernatural. So I'm not looking at the seen or the natural because if I look at that, I'm going to go towards that. If I look at that, I'm going to put an expectation on that. In other words, my expectation is only on God. So if I look at you, my expectation might become on you and then you will disappoint me because I don't, you know, if you think like you will never disappoint people, this series is for you, right? Uh, uh, you know, and uh, if you think you always disappoint people and there's nothing good from you, even who you are in Christ, this series is for you, right? The series is really for every one of us, all right? So faith is the substance of those things, the things that we hope for. Faith is the substance or the evidence of those things, those things we can't see. Faith is the evidence. I know Jesus is Lord because I have faith in God, right? I know that I know that I know. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. Verse 4, by faith, Abraham offered a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated and that he should not see death. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen, uh, yet moved with fear, prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and went out to a place not knowing where he went to. Uh, let's see here. Through faith, verse 11, Sarah received strength to conceive seed. Not through doctor's reports, not through natural thinking, not through exercise, but through faith. Through faith. And because why? She judged him faithful. She said, I may not be in myself. When I look at the natural, I may not have the strength. I may not have the ability. I may not have the young age. But she didn't look at that. She looked at him. She looked at the eternal. She looked to those things not seen. And therefore, she judged him faithful. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. If you look at your natural things, you look at the natural circumstance, and you, you try to judge him faithful, you will stagger like Abraham did at the promise of God through unbelief. 
but he staggered not at the promise of God. What? Giving glory to God. What we just did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, the Lord's working on my behalf. The Lord's making a way, especially when it seems like he's not, especially when it feels like he's not. Why? Because the natural, if you let it, you'll look at it and your vision will cease to extend beyond the natural. It'll stop right there. You say, well, this is what I, but this is what I see. Oh, no, you don't let that defeat you. You use that as a springboard into the supernatural, the unseen world. You say, this is what I see but God. But God is in the unseen. But God deals in things not seen. God deals in supernatural things. God deals in supernatural power. And supernatural power by its essence and definition is power that is beyond natural. It's supernatural. Supernatural power. Anyhow, uh, these all died in faith. Verse 13. 13, uh, not having received, right? The promise, but they, but they believed it, right? Okay, so then verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he died, uh, blessed both the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than enjoy uh, the pleasures of sin, uh, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches. By faith, uh, he forsook Egypt. Through faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the harlot Rahab didn't perish. Um, verse 33, who through faith subdues kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Kids, can you imagine that? You could actually stop the mouth of a lion uh, by faith. Wow. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of wickedness were made strong. You know, uh, escaped the edge of the sword like that could be escaped the piercing of the bullet like in our society. Is how? By faith. By faith. By faith, Jesus, he passed right through the midst of them that had weapons to try to kill him. Melody and I went in 2005 to the Philippines, and we ministered for a pastor, and he told us when his village found the gospel message was coming, they took up knives and clubs, and they surrounded him, and they came to kill him. They said, Pastor, we are going to kill you. And all of a sudden, he just passed right through the midst of them while they're all saying, where'd the pastor go? We don't know where he is. He just passed right through. Why? By faith. By faith. Yes. Wonderful pastor. Hallelujah. Over in um, the Philippines. A women, by faith, women receive their dead raised to life again. Well, the reason I kind of wanted to go through that um, was because, and, and there's many others I just kind of skipped around to give you in essence, that because that is right before verse 12 or chapter 12. And, you know, in, in the original Bible, did you know this? Like there's no chapters and verses. So like we added them, but listen to this. So he's talking about this person, of, this man of faith, this woman of faith, this person of faith, this person of faith, this person of faith. Wherefore, seeing we're accompanied about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Who is that? These people of faith. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. Well, you, you just let shame remain and that's a sin that easily will beset you. And let us run with patience. Whoa, you're not running with shame. It'll hold you back. You got to lay it aside. Let us run with patience. 
the race that is set before us. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us. I don't have time to go into patience. Uh, Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith. Now, in the margin, or not margin, actually, the text of my Bible, it says our faith, but it's in italics. And when something's in italics, that means that's not really there. (laughs) I mean, it's there, but it's not there. It's in the temporary. It's not in the eternal. (laughs) Okay? The the people translating it added because they thought it would help you understand. Well, when the word says that Jesus is the author of our faith, um, the word are is not actually there. So really, it says that Jesus is the author and finisher of faith. And what it means is Jesus is the captain or Jesus is the first and the perfect uh, being to act in faith, that Jesus is the man of faith. So you've heard of Abraham, and you've heard of Enoch, and you've heard of Moses, and you've heard of Rahab, but let me now just finish this whole thing with the greatest man of faith that has, has ever lived or will ever lived, who acted in perfect faith, who's not just the author of faith, but who is the finisher of faith. And so there is no one greater than him as an act of faith and a person who acts in faith. So if you want to see the best example of faith, you got to look to Jesus. So he said, looking unto Jesus. So he said, seeing we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let's look to Abraham and his faith. No. Seeing we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, did you see Enoch actually was translated and didn't see death? So let's just look to Enoch. No, no, no. He said, you see all of these miracles? You want to know how they did it? Because faith is an act of turning from self to Jesus Christ. They did it by turning to him. So you see all of these miracles, these wonders that happened by people that were very flawed people. They looked to the one man that had no flaws, and his name is Jesus, and he is the ultimate author of faith. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know, basically, it's like they used to have these, you know, the, the Olympic Games are a pattern after these games, uh, these, these challenges, these sports that they would have in Greece, in ancient Greece that started there. And, you know, even in Bible times, they had these. And so it's like you put up this one who is the champion of all champions, who has never missed the mark, who has never come short, but has always exceeded above and beyond. And you put him up, Jesus up, and you say, okay, you want to learn how to run your race? You want to learn how to do this right you look to jesus he's the example and he's not just the beginning example because somebody said well like you know now they're running faster than they've ever ran they're jumping higher than they've ever jumped they're shot putting further than they've ever shot put right uh they're doing bows and arrows more accurately than they've ever done it no jesus is the author and the finisher of faith hallelujah you want to get into faith get into jesus You want to get into miracles? Get into Jesus. You want to get in the power of God? Get into Jesus. You want to get into deliverance? Get in Jesus. If you want to get into revelation, get into Jesus. If you want to get into the Holy Ghost, get into Jesus. Because Jesus is the author of faith. And our faith is substance. Gives substance to the things that you have a hope. So you might have a hope, and hopefully you do have a hope. Faith is the substance of that. And that faith only works when it's directed to the man, and his name is Jesus, the one man, Jesus Christ. He's the author of faith. He's the beginner of faith. 
He's the source of faith. He's the cause of faith. He's the prince of faith. He's the captain of faith. He is the expression of faith. And he is um, he's the all in all of faith, right? So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. So if you're going to live a shame-free life, the only way you're going to do it is looking to the ultimate author and beginner and captain of faith. His name is Jesus, and he will show you how to do it. Well, when I look to Jesus, if I be lifted up, he said, I will draw all men unto myself. And so when I look to him and I see him on the cross, the cross, it's really unfortunate uh, in some ways about the cross, but it's fortunate because it is the power of God. <laughs> the reason it's unfortunate is in the Western world, you might could go out today and you could see people, you can go online and you could see crosses around people's necks that are beautiful carvings. You can see crosses on churches. You can see crosses everywhere. And the cross is not a thing of shame. It is a sign of love. It is a sign of deliverance. It is a sign of mercy. It is a sign of help. But when Jesus died on the cross, they had a guillotine. But the cross was much more despised than the guillotine, which, you know, would like chop your head off, right? So uh, the cross was the most repugnant, gross, nasty um, um, way to die. Like if, if you ever uh, encountered someone that just being with them, you feel like you need to shower afterwards because they are so, ugh, I don't mean just physically like dirty. I mean like spiritually dirty. They're like, I don't know if they're like, constantly looking at porn or they're like murdering their hearts or their whatever but you know like it's it's gross and so when you think of the atmosphere that these kind of people would carry with them this was the atmosphere of the cross and this is why it said that he despised the shame of the cross because it's shameful uh, Galatians tells us for anyone to die on the cross he became a curse for us, right? Curses anyone that dies on a cross. And so Jesus despised the shame. What does that mean? That means he held that shame in low regard, and he's doing this for us to set us free, but he's also doing it for an example for us to follow. That we look to the supernatural and the unseen, not just the seen. That in this moment of time, I don't have to be seen to, being, to, uh, to, to, to know the right thing or have the right answers. I just have to be seen to know Him. And so if that means that the world considers me shameful, I'll not hold that in high regard. I will hold that in low regard. But if I hold it in high regard, my life will be shaped and formed by shame. And so my responses will be shame-filled responses. So I will say, I will be uh, unlike Paul, who said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. But if I don't despise the shame of the world, 
I will be ashamed of the gospel and I will have no power in my life. I'll have a form of godliness, but I'll deny the power of it. I'll say, well, uh, uh, I want everybody to think I'm godly uh, because if they, if they know that I actually make mistakes, if, if they know like I don't actually hear from God when I pray, uh, if, if, they know, if they know that, they won't respect me anymore, and uh, they have to know I'm more spiritual than they are, and I'm more special than they are. And, uh, you know, that's the lies that shame tells you, that you have something special from God that's greater than anybody else. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Like that you had a special visitation from God, that you had a special, uh, you heard the voice of God, that you have a special revelation that's better than anybody else. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Now, does God visit people? Are there visions? Yes. But those magnify Christ and magnify the blood. They don't magnify you. So if you have something that you think is from God and it magnifies you and you use that to, to, to um, even in your own heart, put yourself over other people, boy, I wonder if it's from the Lord. You know, uh, you could have something from the Lord and use it wrongfully, uh, but the Lord's not going to be uh, continually giving you a supply. And if you feel like nobody recognizes uh, the call of God on my life and nobody this and nobody that, well, the devil could be working on you. But also, uh, he's very deceptive and tricky, and he's going to make you think you have this special thing that nobody else has. Well, you have a special thing that is from God, and number one, it is the blood of Jesus. Number two, it is the love of God. Number three, it is the power and presence of God by the person of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, uh, T.L. Osborne, somebody, he said, everybody's searching for somebody to give him a word from the Lord. He's like, boy, I go straight to headquarters. I go to God himself and he speaks to me, right? Well, you get in the presence of God. You get uh, something that's from God. And it's not something that, that you see as like, well, now I'm better than other people. You see that I have a greater responsibility, uh, that I need to give greater mercy that <coughs> the Lord so loves His people, His children, and the whole world, right? So shame will lie to you, but Jesus despised the shame and went to the cross and endured the cross and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Again, if you're going to let that shame dominate, you're going to be weary, you're going to faint in your minds, you're going to make a way to like uh, make up for that and to cover that up, and uh, it's not going to be good because your whole life is a life where you have pressure and you're driven to perform. It's like telling a lie. Because it is believing a lie, not the truth. Believe the truth, not a lie. Believe God, not the devil. Right? And so it's like believing a lie or telling a lie. What happens when you tell a lie? Well, in order for it to, to gain traction, uh, you have to tell another lie to make that lie seem plausible. And then you have to tell a third lie. Ever watch uh, VeggieTales, they call it the fib from outer space. And when he tells a fib, his nose doesn't get bigger, but he gets fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter so he can't fit through the door and everything like this. And, and um, why? Because one lie is not sufficient. So don't think the devil's going to tell you just one lie. 
He's going to tell you multiple lies. And so consider him, that's Jesus, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation that speaks to you as to children. My son, despise not the chastising of the Lord, or faint when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father does not chasten or discipline? But if you be without chastisement or discipline uh, that we're all partakers of, then are you bastards and not sons? Or for the kids that maybe don't understand that, like you're illegitimate sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? What's he saying with all this? He's saying Jesus did not despise the shame. So in other words, you, may make, you will make a mistake, but don't despise the shame of it. Receive the correction of a father. Like, you do make mistakes. If you believe you don't, you're believing a lie, First John tells us. If we say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. So in other words, if you're born again, let me tell you, the truth is in you. Now, you've got to renew your mind so it's, it cha- you're changed by it, but the truth is in you. But here, he's saying, don't be upset. Like, Jesus endured the shame. You can uh, endure the shame, you know, despise the shame, rather. Hold it in low regard. Jesus didn't hold it in high regard. He held it in low regard. You can hold it in low regard. Why? Because you're a child of God. You're in the family of God. And because of that, <coughs> excuse me, you're going to receive discipline. In other words... You're going to have to admit that you're wrong, that, that, that you made a mistake. Hallelujah. And by admitting that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you're wrong and that you made a mistake, I got so excited I talked out of my throat instead of my belly. <coughs> okay, not wise. Okay, praise the Lord. Um, as a child of God, instead of being like, no, I, God, I didn't make a mistake. Uh, I didn't mess up. Uh, I didn't do this. Uh, you know, no, I couldn't have done anything wrong because I don't want you not to like me because I don't want you to um, not talk to me anymore because I don't want you to uh, not show me your word anymore. No, you're not a servant of God. You're not on the outs with God. You're a son of God. And if a natural father would take care of a natural son or a natural daughter and give them every benefit and teach them and train them, how much more will our Heavenly Father do that for us? So shame will say, don't even admit you're wrong to God. But I love 1 John 1.9 because 1 John 1.9 says, um, well, right before that, if we, have, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So really, 
1 John 1, 9, confessing your sins, just means you come into agreement with your sins. That's what confession means. You come into agreement. In other words, if you confess by his stripes you're healed, you are saying, I agree, Jesus healed me, and I am healed, and it affects my body now, and I receive it now. Right? Same thing with confessing your sins. If you confess your sins, you're forgiven and cleansed. Why? Because he's faithful and just. In other words, every time you do it, he will forgive you and cleanse you. That's the right thing to do, and it's the faithful thing because he's faithful and just. But what happens is when you confess your sins, you admit you're wrong, admit you need help, or when someone helped you, you thank them because that's actually a confession of you did something you didn't have to do or that benefited me more than what I myself could do. And so shame says, no, no, I have to do it all. I have to look to me. Or it's like, oh, I'm so horrible because I can't do anything. You know, We think of that mainly of shame. But shame is also the other side where you become very narcissistic. And so it's everything me, 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 look at me, 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 me. And if you're looking at me and I mess up, then it's your fault I messed up. You made me do this. You weren't helping me. So it's all you. It's not me. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. It's actually you. Right? And so, me, 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 you, you, you. So he's saying, my son, despise not the correction or discipline of the Lord or faint when you're rebuked by him for the Lord loves you. Whom he loves, he disciplines or corrects. And every son he receives, he does this with. So that goes back to the other week when we were talking about perfect love casts out all fear, and fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So don't let the, the tool of fear that the enemy uses to, to um, keep you under his grip, don't let that be there. Receive the love of God. It's poured into your heart, but the Holy Spirit's also in your heart. He's speaking, He's showing, He's revealing, but you may not be seeing, hearing, or understanding because you're not looking to Him. Looking unto Jesus. How do you look to Him? Through the Word, through the presence of the Spirit. You look to the Word, but you allow the Spirit to make that Word real to you, and then you see Jesus, right? Looking unto Him, the author of faith. I want to know how to live by faith. I look to him. I want to know how to talk by faith. I look to him. I know, want to know how to yield to faith. I look to him. Amen. Glory to God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he will set you free. Well, Psalm uh, 34, I believe it is, says they looked unto him and their faces were lightened and they were not ashamed. When you look to Him, your face will light up because of His deliverance, because of His glory, because of His grace, and you will not be ashamed. They looked unto Him, and their faces were lightened, and they were not ashamed. Looking unto Him, the author of faith, the finisher of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the very throne of God. 
Hebrews uh, chapter 12, if you go on down to verse 17, says, for, uh, well, that's verse, uh, yeah, verse 17. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited a blessing, this is talking about Esau, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance. though he sought it carefully with tears. Today is the day of salvation. Harden not your hearts. Just like the, the Hebrew children did in the wilderness, they saw God act again and again and again, yet they hardened their hearts when he spoke. They hardened their hearts, and uh, they displeased God by hardening their hearts. And so today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Maybe you're in a place right now where you see more clearly than you've ever seen because God's Spirit is upon you and He is showing you that Jesus really is alive, that Jesus really is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that Jesus really does love you. And right now you're in such an atmosphere because you're yielding to His Spirit that you actually believe this, that He's made His words so real to you. You're, you're like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm seeing it. I've never seen it before. Today's the day of salvation. Don't turn away. Don't harden in your hearts. They saw the Red Sea opened. They saw blind eyes open. They saw water come out of a rock. They saw manna fall from heaven. They saw a pillar of uh, fire that guided them by night and a cloud by day. And they still hardened their heart. Don't let the devil deceive you. He is a liar. He wants you to focus on the realm of reason where your mind hasn't been changed. He wants you to focus on the natural. Like, well, if you come to Jesus, your life's not going to be fun anymore. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You'll have satisfaction when you come to Jesus that, that will blow out of the water any satisfaction you ever had by enjoying sin for a season because this is not a seasonal satisfaction. This is an eternal satisfaction. This is not a temporary satisfaction. This is an eternal satisfaction. And this satisfaction, you say, I just want to still be able to go have sex with anybody I want. I'll tell you what, you get born again and you have sex with your spouse and your spouse only, you'll have the most satisfying sex you've ever had in your entire life. It'll blow out of the water anything else. All those memories of shame, those will be taken away and you'll say, now this is the way God has planned and this is the way God has designed. Maybe you want to go get drunk and on alcohol or use drugs and get a high that way. Let me tell you what, you get born again you got a high from the most high that blows all that out of the water you'll sober up immediately you know what i wasn't going to tell you this but about probably uh eight years ago ten years ago i was praying with a young man he, he had just been baptized in water and he wanted to be filled with the spirit and he said will you pray for me so i prayed for him when i prayed for him <laughs> he actually was there out of prison he just got released from prison he got went to prison for drugs getting high on drugs and i prayed for that man and it was not me but it was the power of god he walked back and he was like whoa what is happening and I said, what do you mean? He's like, I feel like I'm going to fall over. Like, this is better than any high I ever had. And he said, I've been high a lot. And I said, this is the power of God. This is better than any natural high. There's no hangover. And it doesn't bring bondage and addiction. It brings true freedom. So Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. 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 
So if you want to receive this life, it is so simple, but it'll cost you everything you have. It'll cost every bit of, of shame, and it'll cost every bit of pride, and it'll cost every bit of self-confidence, because the only way to come to Jesus is to release all that stuff and turn to Him. And when you do that and you turn to him and you look on him and you say, you know what, I don't understand every little detail of every little thing, but I know there's something happening in my heart right now. How do you locate your heart? That's where you legitimately forgive people. Maybe your husband, wife, a relationship, brother, sister. Um, that is where you forgive and that's where you receive. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth you say something unto salvation what do you say you say jesus is lord and so uh romans chapter 10 tells us if you believe that god raised jesus from the dead and you confess him as your lord with your mouth you will be saved that's what happens so i want to invite you right now in about five seconds i want you to make a decision for christ that you're just going to pray this prayer and you're going to receive him right now five four three two one all right, no turning back. We're going to do this. Glory to God. You'll, you'll be more alive than you've ever been. Hallelujah. Just say this with me. Repeat with your mouth and from your heart. Let it register on your heart what I'm going to say. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away my sins. I receive him right now as my Lord my Savior. I'm not going to call the shots in my life anymore. I'm going to let Jesus call the shots. I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for Him. And I right now have made this decision and have received Him and I am now your child under your care under your, under your protection and under your provision. Under your provision. And I'm happy about it. Happy about it. Thank, you Thank you for bringing me, for bringing me to, yourself to yourself and into your family. Into your family. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, your life has changed in more ways than you're conscious of. You have a new nature on the inside of you. Your nature is not to sin. Your nature is not to flub up. Your nature is not to just uh, flesh out and just do all this other stuff. You, your, your likes are actually have been changed. You might not realize it yet, uh, but a burden has removed. Many times we're conscious of that. But now there's a love that is everlasting and it's on the inside of you and it's for you and it's toward the world and it's toward you. And so don't resist that love, but embrace that love. Let that love dominate you.